Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. The name's Stankleg. Is this? I'm a named is man this a, now. Your Northman Luke. name? That's right. They call me Stanky Leg. Okay, that's a weird choice, but I respect it. Good for you. Good for you. We have started before they are hanged by Joe Abercrombie. That's book two of the First Law trilogy. Make sure to read book one before you listen. I would hope that you know that. Um, I want to get us started with a rant that I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let me preface this with, I'm, I'm going to need a lot of prefaces. Okay. <laughs> Good. Our favorite kind of rant. <laughs> so, so for one thing, not about fantasy books. For another thing, it might be long, um, but it's important. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's about it's about dog ownership. Mm. Okay. okay. And so if you d- if you don't care about dogs, if you don't have a dog, you can skip. But it's it's I think it's going to be very educational, okay. and I think it's important. Yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> like don't feed your dog grapes or something like that. It's it's more nuanced. Oh, all right. One. Yeah. And I will say, I'm I'm very angry at a certain type of dog owner. Mm-hmm. And I like I'm very angry. So Dan, you might have to pull me back. Okay. I'm gonna try to make this funny and educational rather than just full blown rage. So so if I start going down the wrong path, Dan, I'm gonna need you to pull me back. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I might not though. I might be right there with you. So we'll see. Okay. So okay. So I have a dog, mm-hmm. and we got her from the pound when she was a little bit older like she was two and a half when we got her um and it's kind of a risk when you go to the pound right <laughs> like you never you never know what you're gonna get we love our dog uh-huh love her uh-huh uh very high maintenance <laughs> <laughs> i will say that okay she is like great when we're in the house she's very very uh friendly and that kind of thing but she was uh definitely like neglected when mm. she was when she was with her previous owners mm-hmm. and so never like socialized never walked on a leash before she has an insane amount of energy but doesn't know how to play like fetch or things so our only our only recourse <laughs> is to take her on walks <laughs> and she like here's the here's the main thing mm-hmm She's not aggressive or anything, mm-hmm. but when she sees another dog, when she's on a walk, she loses her mind. Absolutely loses it. And like yeah. over the course of the past like two years that we have had her uh-huh. working a lot on this, <laughs> under like the best of circumstances, she can keep it together. This is like if we see this dog way ahead of time and... It's on the other side of the street, and we do our little routine. Then, like, maybe she'll keep it together. And Mars is in retrograde. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But I need all of those things to align for it to be okay. And because of that, I actually am perfectly fine with people that, like, you know, you know the phrase, like, adopt, don't shop. Yeah. I'm honestly, at this point, fine. If you if you like shop, if you're like I'm, I want to spend a bunch of money and get like a really low maintenance dog, like that's fine. 
to me. Uh-huh. People, uh-huh. A lot of people are not up for the kind of maintenance <laughs> that certain dogs take. I think that's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Get you, get you a golden doodle or whatever. It's I great. mean... I will say there are plenty of just old crusty dogs in the in the kennels that you wouldn't have to do a whole lot for. Okay, uh, yes. But I, I don't think this is I, the point you're trying to make. It's not the point I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is that I have a very walkable neighborhood. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of people walking around. And I think that there's this misunderstanding that a lot of dog owners have that my dog is not well behaved because of like my failings as a dog owner. Like they think that my dog is like very excited when she sees another dog and like I haven't trained in her control and she like does whatever she wants to do and jumps around and that kind of thing. That's not what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) My dog, like it's not a good thing for my, my dog is not having a good time. Yeah. When she loses her mind. My dog, all she wants to do is walk down the street and see no other dogs, sniff a few things, have a little bathroom break, and then come back. That's all she wants to do. Yeah. But when she sees another dog, she has, I think, basically akin to a panic attack. Yeah. That's what my dog is having. (laughs) And so when you walk down the middle of the street and have no regard for, like, the fact that my dog is losing it. I I am sick of you. I have no patience for people that are like not gonna take a step out of their way to to help me control my dog. Oh my! God. There are people, freaking mother daughter duo with their with their poodle and mini poodle walking down the street. Luke's got a specific person in mind now <laughs> that, that don't even look at me as my dog loses it. I. Oh my gosh. I am sick of these people. Not just that people, but like just recognize that you could you could walk to the other side of the street. You could like wait a moment. You could take a couple steps out of your way to allow my dog to not have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. That would be great. Mm-hmm. That would be great if you could do that. But no. You have to like judge me and ruin my dog's day. Right. You're saying I'm you, sick of it. you feel the like silent scorn because they won't even look at you. They're like, they're like judging you and they're like, he should be able to control his dog. Like, right. I'm not even going to look at him. And then at the same time, you, you say they're walking down the middle of the street. Like I, that to me already sounds like they're giving you space. If you're on the sidewalk, I don't understand the, the walking dynamic. Okay. So dogs some dogs like are very well behaved and they can be very close to another dog and not care Mm -hmm. like you know that's your that's your like low maintenance dogs right go for it good for them a lot of dogs if they're like walking very pretty close to another dog they're gonna like have some reaction my dog that range is much farther okay and like it's clear it's very obvious (laughs) because like if i see you coming down my side of the street i stop and like go the other way yeah, yeah, and try whatever I can to get out of your way. But like sometimes that's not an option for me. Right. Those right. times are when you're walking in the middle of the street, like there's not enough space for me to mm. get away. Oh, or like if you turn the corner right then, like maybe there's enough time for me to stop and go back. But most people will just like follow me 
And it's like, just... (laughs) (laughs) Just pay attention, people. Just like, you see my dog losing it, and you see me trying to get as far away from you as possible. Just wait for like 10 seconds. Yeah, but Luke, they've got places to be. They've got an important dog meeting to get to. I hate these people. (laughs) They've got a dog meeting, okay? Their dog is the CEO of a very successful company, and he's got a conference call in five minutes. That's true. He's got somewhere to be. These people, I have to think, are like taking it on themselves to like embarrass me or like punish me for being a bad dog owner. And like, it's just like, dude, you're you're giving my dog a panic attack for this. It's not hurting me. It's obviously not hurting you. It's just causing my dog mental anguish. And it's terrible of you to do this. And I'm sick of it. I feel like we should have special color-coded leashes or flags or something for dogs because okay obviously 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 if you see somebody's dog losing their fucking mind on the side of the street like you could most of the time do something about it like and and there's two different kinds of dog losing their mind right there's a dog losing their mind that is like clearly excited and like wants to wants to see you and there's dog losing its mind that's like terrified and i think most people can figure out what's what's happening there yeah i and it's okay if you're i think that a lot of people just like don't fully understand dogs because they maybe have like a very low maintenance dog so have needed not needed to and like if you have if you know enough about dogs you can very easily recognize when someone's dog is like not having a good time based on the dog's reaction and the owner's reaction. Like there are some dogs that are like actually not well behaved and are like barking and stuff like that. But it's very clear the difference between that and my situation. (laughs) Right. I think it is at least. Right. Well, and so this is like, this is why I think we need a simpler way for dumb shit humans to figure out when dogs aren't having a good time. And we could just have a color coding leash system where it's like, oh, that dog up there, I could see way far away, has got the purple leash. That means right. they don't do well around other dogs. So I should for sure give them space. I'm like, maybe this little chihuahua's got a green leash that they don't even give a fuck. They could just walk, they'll walk into traffic. They don't pay attention to anything. And so they're fine. But like, we need a system because I think you're right. And, and I'll say, uh, before we had this conversation, I think I was even, I definitely would judge dog owners if their dog like clearly was freaking out in public. And I think there is definitely a component here that I have missed of like, Yes, all dogs are different. Some dogs are just not going to have a good time. And like, right. that's not their owner's fault. Like, I, I, yeah, it's kind of, it feels like a myth that any dog is trainable. And like, oh, it definitely, it 100% is. Like, th- definitely to a certain level. Right, right. Like, clearly you're working on it, but there's only a certain level that your dog is going to be comfortable in public. And I think, like, putting the blame on especially for something this fucking 
banal especially for something this fucking stupid of like yeah just walk on the other side of the street like the the most annoying thing is that these people know me these people know who (laughs) i walk my dog for like at least two miles twice a day because that's how much energy my dog has yeah and i see these people all the time they know that my dog is gonna lose it unless they go to the other side of the street and they're just like no you should be able to control your dog and I'm not going to take a step out of my way. And it's like, dude, I, (laughs) my dog can like keep it together up to a point, Mm -hmm. but when she loses it, she's having a panic attack. And at that point I'm just managing her panic. I'm not like, I'm not like able to calm her down. It's just, Oh my gosh. Right. Luke doesn't carry around a doggy Xanax for when his dog starts (laughs) freaking out. And he shouldn't have to, especially I, okay. Even what's pissing me off more about this now, the more you're describing this situation, the angrier I'm getting at these people, because it would be one thing if this was like a stranger, like somebody you didn't see ever. And they like, you know, a lot of people aren't super aware of what's going on around them. You know, maybe they just like, they got too close and like realized too late. And it's like, well, whatever but the fact that these people yeah this is a recurring thing with people is so stupid that's such right. bullshit and there's there's times that like there's nothing you can do that yeah that's, it's not anyone's fault like sure my dog no matter how far away you are if you're running with your dog my dog's gonna lose it that's like fine you should be able to run with your dog that's not your fault if the street is too small and there's not enough space but we still have to cross each other again not your fault that's fine. Like, that just sucks. That's life. But if you were, like, if there's an opportunity for you to get far enough away or to, like, wait for me to, like, make accommodations by going down a side street or something and you don't, then, but you know, oh, my God. I, <laughs> I've, I've tried to hold it back some, but these people drive me insane. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what what we do now. I'm trying to now I'm trying to problem solve because I feel your anger, and now I'm just trying to like, do we give do we give do we give Luke an air horn or something <laughs> that like if my dog is not gonna have a good time, no one's gonna have a good time. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We've got there's got to be some. Oh, I right. think that we just need like a public messaging campaign where it's like, if you decided to do your life on easy mode and got a golden doodle, that's fine. But like recognize that other people didn't and like you're part of a dog owner community now and you have to like be somewhat empathetic to other people that might not have done the same thing as you. Yeah, Luke, that sounds like the good thing to do. I just thought of another one that we have an opportunity to take advantage of in this time of plague. And that is when you're walking down the street, have like a big, a big iced coffee or something that you're sipping on and periodically loudly proclaim like, man, this doesn't taste like anything anymore. And then start coughing and sneezing as soon as somebody starts approaching you too closely. And like, oh, man, I'm having a hard time breathing or tasting anything these days. Man. And then just like spewing, spewing. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's smart. And then they're going to get away from you, probably. Yeah. Just make yourself as repulsive as these people are. (laughs) You know? 
that'll be that'll be my new strategy from now on okay i'm glad we found some positive some positive spin on this luke i'm glad we have some actionable things yeah okay that was long uh hopefully we cut that down in editing some but it was important okay very important if you want to be a dog owner uh let's get let's get into the book Mm. before they are hanged there's not chapter numbers but we're about one third of the way through the chapter that we have stopped on is called prince ladisla's stratagem i don't know how to pronounce this yeah ladisla Okay. That sounds good to me. And I want to start this episode with a theory. And it's about Prince Ladisla. I think the commander of the Northern Forces, not uh, Colonel West, but the other guy, the, like, guy in charge. Mm -hmm. I think he's trying to get the prince killed. Ooh. Okay, why? So, at the very beginning of this book, there's this meeting with everybody, and basically we learn everybody in charge of the forces for this army sucks, except for West and this guy. Like, everybody else is just like a, like, kind of a politician, Mm -hmm. and they're all just in it for themselves, or hopeless like the prince is and so the prince has been given command of these like reserve forces and colonel west is going to be there with him to kind of keep an eye on things and it's it's kind of implied it's not it's not implied it's basically stated that this is like the easy job this is the safe Mm -hmm. job we don't want the prince actually fighting so we're going to put him in these reserve forces So on its face, it seems like he's trying to keep the prince perfectly safe. However, immediately after this meeting, our boy's like, hey, Colonel West, just, I don't know, a spontaneous spur of the moment thing. Let's hop on our horses and just ride out real quick for fun. Just real quick out and just ride. Let's do it. You know, let's be spontaneous for once. Let's be bad. And they ride out are immediately kidnapped by our crew, Three Trees, and Dogman, and this crew, because they're trying to get contact with somebody in the in the Union Army because they want to help. Quote-unquote, help. Um, and the commander is, like, hesitant at first, but they don't kill him, so he's like, okay, sure, you go with Colonel West... And the prince of the union, because I think you'll be super helpful for us. Luke, is this a little bit too convenient? Is this a little bit too much of a coincidence that when they happen to be taking this spontaneous ride out into the country is also when they happen to encounter these Northmen? Ooh, okay. I will say that the luck that these Northmen have that they're that they're plan to like put a little tripwire across and only get I think it's I think it's Burr, Major Burr or something. Yes, I think it's Major Burr. Very lucky. Incredibly <laughs> lucky. He normally has a ton of guards with him. 
too lucky, yeah. I think. Too lucky, some would say. So are you implying that Burr set this up? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm implying that Burr already had contact with the with Three Trees and Dogman. Mm-hmm. And this was a ruse for Colonel West. This was so okay. that Colonel West isn't suspicious of anything going on. You know, it was just a happenstance mm-hmm. meeting. It was a fortunate accident that they met okay. these five very capable Northmen and embedded them in the prince's army. Mm-hmm. I think that that, honestly, I I think that that's fair. I think that the, the tripwire working so well because Burr randomly decided to do the little ride ahead is too much. And so there's definitely something going on here. And I think that, uh, that you're onto something. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, clearly the prince sucks. All right. Clearly he's not that useful for this army endeavor. Maybe getting him out of the picture. Maybe he's not even a traitor, right? Maybe Burr is just like, the prince sucks. I got to get rid of him somehow. And then we can like actually do the war. Because we also <laughs> see that like at the end of this section, the army is attacking the prince. Like, right. Bethod's forces are coming to attack where Colonel West and the Prince are. And so I think that that's a genuine, like Burr was genuinely not expecting that though. Perhaps, Luke, perhaps. <laughs> There's a lot of convenient, convenient happy accidents or unhappy. Okay. But uh, it's very convenient. Also, just like okay. the last thing, the trap that Three Trees and the boys set up Like, we already said how lucky it is, but you have to think that not only did they set up a tripwire on the right road, like there's more than one road leading out of this camp. They also didn't have guards with them and were able to like get them out of the trees quick enough to where nobody would find them. Because if you start killing people, it's over. Like if they had to kill the guards to do that, it's over. There no, there's no way they're going to be like, oh, yeah, 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 you're cool. It's okay. I understand you had to kill them to talk to me. I get it. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty well. Unless, I mean, maybe they set, they were like spying on them and they saw their opportunity when he started running. But I, I think it's a little, it's a little crazy. I want to go, I'm going to change the topic a little bit and make a hot take. Okay. I kind of like the prince. <laughs> Luke, this is actually so in line with your take when we were reading um, The Way of Kings. Because in The Way of Kings, you were kind of on the side of the people who like to dress up at war. (laughs) And I'm starting to get a vibe from you Mm -hmm. about these kind of people. (laughs) Okay. I I do want to say I think that the prince is obviously very incompetent very sheltered and like a complete inconvenience and is probably going to be a terrible king if he's ever king. Yeah, but the current king is already pretty terrible, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he seems kind of nice. And kind of friendly, no? Like he's not. Obviously he's like delusional in that he doesn't understand anything. 
But like, if you take that into account, uh huh, he seems kind of like a delight. He's like very, he's like very friendly with West. You know, I don't know. I, I actually agree with you here. <laughs> I'm. I was. I was pretty anti this prince and hoping he got murdered. But actually, of all the people that we see in power, the prince seems to be like the most chill in that he he doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be constantly like holding his position over people. He he does seem very chill and friendly. You're right. I think that he has the most Poe. Oh man. Because because hear me out. Yeah. Everyone else has like personality flaws like deep horrible personality flaws that are like gonna ruin everything no matter like question their motivations and everything the prince is just not experienced and doesn't understand the world but like personality wise like i feel like he wants to be he wants to do good things i oh man yeah, I'm with you on this. Like, the prince doesn't have a huge ego. Like, the prince wants to be, at least from what we've seen so far, the prince just wants to be involved. And he's, like, <laughs> too ignorant to to really know what that means. But, right. yeah, he's, like... Granted, the, the prince's posse are kind of shitty. Like, the, the prince's posse sound like they're a little bit arrogant. But right. the prince himself does just seem like he wants to be a part of things. Ooh. Okay, Luke. I I'm team I'm team prince. Are we excited for the prince to potentially like actually get some glory here at this battle and like I turn so. this whole thing around? Yeah. I I'm hoping for like for a turn on the prince's side where he all of a sudden, you know, slowly, obviously, mm-hmm. like gains experience. Uh-oh, here we go. Here's here's the prince doing things. He's learning from West, learning from some gritty, gritty personal experience, growing as a person. Mm. I would love that. Maybe he hears some of the stories about their forced labor prison camps and is like, oh, that doesn't sound good. Hold on. <laughs> We get a little reformer that seems, action. That seems bad. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for it, actually. I'm I'm with you. I'm here for it. I'm excited. Something that I am so glad we got back to with this series is how much I love Glockta. Mm. I forgot how like team Glockta I was. But getting back into this book from like the first chapter, we have Glockta. You're like reminded of the dual nature of like, yeah, he is a torturer and he's not like the greatest guy, but also he is like smacking people in the face when they're being idiots and just like doesn't give a (laughs) fuck. And I love him. Yeah. Like, I think it's so... I think it speaks volumes to Glockta as a character that he is both the most repulsive character in these books 
and one of the most likable characters in these books. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fair. I think that for some reason that I can't fully explain, I don't quite like Glockta as much as like most people do. I'm 10 out of 10 for Glockta, baby. <laughs> so like I can recognize that he's a phenomenal character. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason he rubs me the wrong way. And I I mean, like maybe it's the fact that he tortures everyone. <laughs> But I, I like I don't think that that's just it. I think that there's something about him that I, for some reason, have an issue with. But I haven't I haven't nailed it down yet. Maybe by the end of this book, I'll figure it out. He also has his own like su- kind of superiority complex, which I get, mm-hmm. which is like fine. But also the fact that he's able to maintain any kind of of ego while looking the way that he does and like being treated the way he is by everybody. I think it's just impressive. It's fair. Like his self-confidence for like, for like his position and how everyone treats him. I think his self-confidence is way above average. Like the average person would have much lower confidence in his position. He does very much lean into his whole thing. He owns it. He freaking owns it. Yeah, he really does. The in particular, the scene that really like brought Glockta back for me was when he is talking to one of the old inquisitors in the city that he's now the superior of, and he finds out that they have killed several of these like servants who they were questioning, and they didn't even ask them any questions yet. And he just smacks Horker across the face. And he's like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm sending you down to the torture chamber. And I was just like, yes, Glockta. Yes, he is an idiot. Torture him. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't, this, <laughs> that might be problematic. I don't, I don't know particularly why yet, but I just love Glockta. Yeah. I think that that's I think that that's fair. Maybe we'll maybe we'll be able to to really nail down our our complete feelings on Glockta as this book progresses. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to something at the very beginning of this book. Okay. Like very first chapter, I think our Northmen are trying to get to like see someone important, and they're like at the city gates, this place, and they're not able to get in. And I just want to say. Are like the people in charge of all city gates? Like, let's put our dick, our like biggest dick in charge of letting people in or not. Luke, it's every time. Luke, every time. I, I hate to say it, we have we have had this exact discussion before. <laughs> Damn it. That is how that is how common this is. We have had this exact segment on the show and i want to say you started it the same way okay uh you're right that (laughs) that proves this proves your point i'm i'm saying well and we'll leave it there then yeah if you want to if you want to hear our rant on that uh just listen listen to our back catalog i'm sure you'll find it somewhere (laughs) in there the fact that i can't even i didn't even know that we had done that proves that we have too many episodes we have definitely Um, done that (laughs) but i love it 
Something else that we talked about when we were doing this series previously that I just want I just gotta I just gotta remind us of Baez is like an ancient and powerful wizard. <laughs> How are people right. not way more intimidated by this fucking guy? I <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell if people like believe him, like maybe don't believe that he is who he is, but if if you do, which I think that at least some people do, you got to be super intimidated. Like Jezel is over here like poo-pooing all the lessons that this guy is giving him, and it's like this dude's a thousand years old and is telling you the history of this ancient empire. What are you doing? This is not your grandpa who's telling you about the war for the 30th time. This is, that's not what this is. This is an ancient, powerful wizard who is telling you about history that's like thousands of years old. Right. He's, he's like telling you what seems like a myth about like the world formation and it's like, oh, you were there. <laughs> and we're just gonna, we're just gonna, I don't know, kind of not think a big deal about it. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, and the scene that really got me was the like regional governor of that city that they were in being like, oh, it's dangerous. So you can't go out there. And it's like, why did Baez even have to do his like scary Gandalf moment mm -hmm. why did he even have to like do that why didn't he just be like hey remember the guy who built your whole civilization i was like his first pick i was the first round draft pick for that guy so maybe you don't know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> it's wild it's wild so wild. Baez, Baez should have like a bunch of followers. Like Baez should have like crowds of people following him around. Who else out there is this old? <laughs> yeah, I, okay. I do have a reason why people are not like following Bias. I don't have a good reason why people are not like respecting him and right. like heeding him more. Mm -hmm. I don't have a reason for that. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> we keep hearing that like no one going on this journey has asked him where they're going or how far it is. And then like Pharaoh asks him one time, she's like, hey, how, how long is this going to take? And he gets like super pissed. That seems like a reasonable question to me. <laughs> Maybe that's why no one's following this guy. Okay, this is a fair point. And it does, it does bring up something that I want to talk about later, about how nobody in this group seems to be having a good time. But, but you're right, he does seem a little bit curmudgeon-y. He seems a little bit cranky, but I'll tell you what, Luke, that doesn't stop hundreds of people in our world from following terrible celebrities around who are like <laughs> the worst true. people of all time. That's fair. I just like, if I'm going on this journey, if I'm one of five people and I have 
unlimited access to the leader of this journey. And I'm like, hey, uh, how, mu- how, uh, how much of my life is this going to take? And, you know, where are we going? Can we, can we get a little, can we get a little map? Little what are, outline. What are we the route, doing? The dangers. Uh, would love to know more. And I get yelled at for that. I'm I'm leaving. I'm not being involved in like an unknown journey that you have described as like to the end of the world, but no more. Right. Um, why is why is everyone going? I I can't understand. In particular, our three like Jezel, Pharaoh, Logan. They mm. seem to be having such a bad time with this journey. And I'll be honest, I don't quite remember how they got roped into it in the first place. Like I know at the end of the blade itself, they put the crew together and they leave. Mm. But I can't, I, and I know they went into them like Maker's Tower, and that was a part of it. I don't remember why they're sticking around, though. Like, they get out on the planes, and sure, Pharaoh does have this moment where she's about to, like, skedaddle, and Logan's like, wait, we gotta, we gotta hang out a little longer. Why? Why is, why are people going on this journey? I, so I feel like Jezel was, like, ordered to in some way. Yes, I think that's right. I think that's right. Because Baez had influence over the closed council. Yes. And like Pharaoh, we shouldn't just like speculate on things that (laughs) were happening in the last book that we can't remember. Um, But yes, I in general agree with you. Uh, Seems like everyone's pretty disagreeable, except for Logan. And okay, so I understand why Pharaoh is like, She's had a lot of trauma in her life. Understandable. Jezel's just like an asshole. <laughs> Logan is like kind of, kind of fine. Like trying to be friendly, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I forget the navigator's name. Longfoot. I feel like, I feel like everyone's really mad at him. And I don't see why. I see why. I hate Longfoot. I'm with him. (laughs) I don't like Longfoot. I get... Longfoot is the bad version of what I think Logan is trying to do. Where Logan is like, I gotta kind of get these people to open up a little bit. I've gotta talk to them. Form some community in our group. It'll make things much better. And I'm gonna do that by just... Every now and then I'll chat with them a little bit. We'll have a fun little chat. And I'll, maybe I'll make it about them. Maybe I'll make it about the weather. Who fucking knows? But we'll just, we'll have a nice little chat. Whereas Longfell or Longfoot is just like, I'm going to tell all these people about how great I am. And then they'll love me and we'll all be friends. And I'm like, I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> okay. That's fair. I just, I just think that like, you can choose to have a bad time in regards to him. Like, you can be like, either I'm going to just hate him and not engage, or you can be like, I'm going to like, I don't know, just engage and it's going to be funny and I'm going to mess with him or something. Right, that's what I... I, You can so easily, like, have a decent time with him and you're choosing to just be grumpy about him. 
Right. I would be messing with him left and right. I would be like, tell us a tale of, uh, I don't know, this place that doesn't exist, you know? Right. Messing with Longfoot should be a great bonding experience for everyone. Right. I want to see some of that going on because I think that that has incredible potential here. I I will say Quay, Quai, the apprentice, Mm -hmm. total weirdo. Don't know what's going on. (laughs) He seemed more normal until this book where Baez (laughs) goes down and he's like, I could kill him, though. (laughs) It's like, dude, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, very weird. (laughs) One other kind of, well, I don't have a good segue for this, but (laughs) we talked about Baez giving this like history that's probably true of this God guy that I think had four kids Mm -hmm. and he gives the first three, these like really cool powers. They're all a little bit different. And then the fourth one, he's like, all right, (laughs) looking good. Just, just uh, get out there, you know, do you think? (laughs) It's like, Come on, man. You're setting this up. This guy, I forget the I forget the original dude's name. He had to have like planned this. He knows that the fourth son is gonna like mess things up. Right. He's specific there's specifically a rule that he can't do the the other magic. Like there is a rule that he's like, hey, I'm giving all your brothers cool powers. You could get cool powers by doing this kind of magic, but I'm going to make a rule where you can't do it. It's like, it's like for Christmas one morning, this dad gifts all four of his sons Ferraris. And then the youngest one, he like blinds, like he takes a knife and blinds him and is like, I'm still going to give you a Ferrari, but you're blind now. So can't really drive it and then the son's like fuck you i'm gonna drive it anyway yeah great comparison i've gotta think that i'm okay let's let's assume that ewes or however his name is has a partner right yeah i gotta think that he's like i uh i told him i told him he couldn't i told him he couldn't work with demons you think he's got to (laughs) And she's like, she's like, uh, yeah, he is. This is why you're not a good father. This is why I divorced you. I. It's also terrible because like we learn that just having half demon blood makes you super powerful. Like these people mm-hmm. with half demon blood have these incredible powers. And so He's, like, enabling three of his sons to use their cool powers for all this dope shit. And then the fourth one, he's just like, yeah, you're super powerful, but uh, who knows what you'll do with it? I don't know. And then, and then the, ki- the, the kid, the f- I'm calling the fourth one the, the kid. Glustrod like, is his name. Yeah, Which also is a bad name. Come on, y'all. <laughs> like, at, at the end of this, you know, he's terrible, right? He's like sucking the marrow out of bones (laughs) which like not great sure but 
<laughs> I don't want to apologize for that. But, like, you're really a bad father. <laughs> and, and he went around asking your his brothers, like, hey, can you just show me a little of this stuff? And they're like, no. I, you got to expect this is going to happen. This is at least... Like a significant part of this is on the dad and the older brothers. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Glustrod or whatever his name is, is the is the only bad guy. No, absolutely not. Especially because it's it's not a zero sum game here. Like the thing that these people are giving up is knowledge. The thing that they're doing is being like, "Hey, Glustrod, I know you kind of got the short end of the stick, so I'm going to teach you how to make fireworks." Here, let me show you a little bit about how to make cool fireworks. Instead, they're like, fuck you. Go eat the bones of people. I'm going to make a cool bridge. Or like, I'm going to do magic. Or I'm going to talk with spirits. Or the dad's just like, I'm golfing. Fuck off. <laughs> like, now, who's caring for young Glustrod? It's just knowledge. You don't have to give up anything to give him what he wants. Now he's talking to demons. It's I agree, man. I I I didn't I don't think this is a hot take because I think everybody should be on the side of Glustrod. Right. And I imagine we're going to find out what kind of cool hole he was he's been digging because we keep hearing about this dope hole that he dug somewhere. <laughs> I I feel like I feel like the history has been unfair to Glustrod. That's my guess. I feel like this story about him sucking on the bones is probably is is fabricated by well, these like older brothers that are shitty. No, right. you guys suck. Okay, you guys suck. You guys are the ones. He's, he was probably like building with Lincoln logs, and you're over here pretending like he's messing around with bones. <laughs> do we think? Uh, do we think Quay is Glustrod? Ooh. Quay seems to love these stories. Quay does love the stories. You know what? Yeah, I do. I think Quay might be Glustrod. I'm excited for it. Because, I mean, okay, so there's there's also definitely something going to happen with demon, like opening a demon gate, right? Oh, you Mm -hmm. can't. Damn, you already read these books. Well, I'm just like, they keep talking about this hole. They keep talking about it. We're going to the hole, I think. I think that's where we're headed. (laughs) Honestly, so I have read these books, but I don't remember them. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> I don't I think, remember what happens. I think I'm excited for us to get to this hole and see what happens down there. We all are. We all are. Speaking of the the gifts that were given to the different sons, I think two out of three are very cool. I think doing magic and talking to spirits, very cool, very unique. The other one is like, you can just build a car. (laughs) Anybody can do that. Yeah, but his were like really good. I guess. I just, I don't think it's nearly as cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a bridge. (laughs) He can make a bridge. He can make a sword. Cool. Baez can explode people. 
I've got no substitute for just exploding people. I can just build a bridge or a sword. I could just do those things. I don't I don't need something extra for that. <laughs> okay. I I want to say I'm I'm assuming I can't remember, but I'm going to say that the the building thing is cooler than just a sword and a bridge. I mean, I think that yeah. there's more to it. Well, we we do see the maker's house, which is very right. cool. It's got some cool things in there. But like, Dan. I don't know. I'm not as into it. <laughs> that's that's fair. I I wonder if the father only had like these three things to get. They seem like kind of random gifts. Like magic seems very broad. <laughs> And building things also seems very broad. And then it's like talking to spirits and then like fuck off for the fourth kid. <laughs> like, couldn't you have split magic into two? Or like, was there not another thing that you had? Like, hey, you're really good at drawing. Good, good stuff. <laughs> right, or like a music deception. Right, the, art, the arts kid. Number four can be really good at singing, great at great at coming up with cool stories. Uh, yeah. Those people are those people are really famous, right? That's a good thing. Yeah. Uh oh shoot. Luke, what if the fourth son did get the gift of like telling dope stories? He just decided that the story everyone would know about him was that he was a badass demon lord. I okay because if you he's the one who's like in charge of the story so he can be like I'm gonna make this story so dope people are gonna assume it's true (laughs) right and here's the thing Quay very good storyteller it seems like he loves a good story clearly Glustrod gotta be that's a called shot from Luke and Dan (laughs) Quay is Glustrod reborn baby I don't know if we talked about this in the last book. We may have. But I think it's rude to rank your apprentices. Is that fair? Um, well, I mean, we kind of do it out in the real world with, like, grades, right? Okay. Yes. And I've... But the thing is, it seems like they're not... It's not like a temporary ranking. It's... No. No, you're right. It seems like Baez has been number one, and there's, like, never any shift. Well, you're right, because I think they're they're ordered in terms of when they joined the group. Mm. Like, I, I feel like it doesn't necessarily correlate to, like, their power level, but I think it's more of, like, this was the first guy that was like, hey, I'd like to try magic, please. And then quickly 12 more people signed up, and then I ran out of space in my online course. <laughs> So these are the 12, baby. I think that's how it, how it's ordered. Okay. I don't know if it's ordered. I don't know if that order is like definitive ranking of most powerful. Especially too, because like Baez is not super powerful. Like It doesn't seem like it. Baez lit some people on fire and is having a panic attack in the back of a wagon. I I feel like 
Baez, this is how I would expect this to go. Baez, super proud of being number one. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the apprentices are like, yeah, I was one of his apprentices. I don't remember like when I joined. Like, I don't really care about the number. So it's weird to me when people are like, I was the seventh apprentice. It's like, just say that you were an apprentice. I don't, right. <laughs> like, that doesn't mean a ton to me. Right. Like Baez, the only thing going for him these days is that he was number one. So like, we're going to give right. him that. But like, we've all got our own thing. Other Like, I am the one who is leading an empire and eats people. That's what my deal is. I don't, right. it's not, I'm not number two or whatever. I'm just the one who eats people. That's my thing. <laughs> I've got that going for me. Right. Baez is just like, I was the first one. And uh, that's kind of it. I'm going on a journey. <laughs> okay, Baez. But I still think everyone should be incredibly intimidated by Baez. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> right. Obviously. Can we swing around back to Glockta? Oh, yeah. We haven't talked much about Glockta. Yeah. I want to talk more about Glockta. Glockta shows up to our city that he's in charge of and suddenly is like, whoa, we are very not prepared for this war that is coming, that it clearly is coming, guys. So I'm going to do all these things to make us prepared. And everyone's very opposed to him doing that. What was everyone doing before he showed up? Like, what were they doing? What were the things that they had to put on hold? What were the projects that they had to put on hold? Because Glockta's like, we got to prepare for this siege that's coming. So please fix the wall. What were the projects that they had to be like, ooh, I got to stop doing this thing. Because right. Glockta wants me to fix his wall now. <laughs> so it seems like they had like other priorities that they thought were more important. I, I do think that they were probably a little bit less aggressive with the borrowing money. So like maybe didn't have quite the assumption of resources that Glockta is using. Mm-hmm. But still. It sounds like they weren't doing anything with the wall. There was no moat. They were they were doing the inner wall. Right. And it's like, come on, buddy. It's like you guys are so dumb. What are you doing? The inner wall? No. They were doing the inner wall and oppressing the natives. That's what their priorities were before Glockta showed up and was like, you do realize <laughs> that that's not going to work, right? Being a competent person in this world must be insanely frustrating. Because, like, everyone in this book, except for a small group, is so dumb. (laughs) Right. They've just got huge egos and are acting just out of, like, weird cultural strangeness. I will say the, like merchant class seems to know what they're doing they seem to be the ones who are like more it's more of a meritocracy it's where they like rise to the top and so they're very they seem to be savvy and like know what's going on but everybody else is terrible (laughs) it's terrible it is it is terrible (laughs) to be fair though I will say that the merchants being hesitant to, like, 
give up the money for the defense of the city isn't the smartest thing either. Like, I get that they, it's kind of like a, um, like a game of chicken they're all playing to wait and see how long they can, like, who's the last one who's not going to give up their money and will win. But also, like, the Gurkish are going to just destroy all your shit in the city. So, like, you're, you're playing a very risky game here by not giving up some money to help with the defense because like right you're you're saying like giving up money is a good investment exactly part it's an outstanding investment but they're like but it's money though (laughs) we we like that stuff it's yeah i something kind of different but with this little coming war slash battle whatever we're gonna call it Galacta gets this warning that the Gurkish have built a fleet. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, they like suck at ships. And then like the other general is also like, no, they're not going to, we don't have to worry about that part of it. They don't like have any ships. Am, I don't get it. <laughs> Do you, am I wrong? Like, is um, it incomprehensible that they're going to, build ships i think like i think there's two reasons why they're confident that they're going to be fine the first is that they never have maybe they've like only rarely ever built ships in the past and so you're like we've crushed their navy before and so they they wouldn't think to even do that because it's not like a reasonable option And then they also talk a lot about how the Union's Navy is so good. And so it's like, even if they do make ships, they're so far behind us that we'll have the support of a Navy and we'll be fine. It it also is important to keep in mind that the, like, big war, like the big engagement that they're at in Angland up north or Angland, whatever that whatever that country is is a land war so their ships are like pretty available Mm -hmm. so i do get the sense that they're confident because of the resources that they are that they do have however it still feels like they're leaving a lot of of things up to chance here yeah like Make sure. Right. <laughs> like, you know? do you have like, any scouts? Your navy's not right there, I don't think. <laughs> right. Especially your city is like three quarters surrounded by water. That's a lot of area for them to attack. And it's like the only city that you possess on this whole continent. Like, of course they're going to try and take it. Right. I. I, I agree. I think they should be a little bit more wary of a naval assault. But there's only so much Glockta can do on his own. Like, <laughs> That's true. You're, we're asking Glockta to do all these things when we're complaining about them not thinking about it. So he's, he's kind of got a lot on his plate right now. And for a guy with like 50% of his teeth, that's, that's a problem. I okay. I I agree that Galacta has a lot on his plate. But how are his days actually that full? 
Because hear me out. And this is something that I just thought of, so I might be wrong. But he was like, hey, build the walls and dig a ditch. Is there like more? <laughs> well, there's also. Oh, and he was like, and he was like, hey, empty out the temple. We're going to treat everyone like human beings. That seems like a day's work to me. Well, you're forgetting the fact that he's also trying to not get murdered and solve the previous superior's murder and requisition a bunch of resources if they do go under siege and figure out how to pay for all of it. I think Glock okay. has got a I, I think Glock I guess has got a lot, lot of that stuff is probably happening in the background, but I feel like all I've seen is him write like a letter to his superior being like, "Hey, promised people a lot of money <laughs> i don't know maybe i'm wrong yeah they, i could be wrong they cut the like three scenes of him torturing other people we only got to see the one scene of him torturing horker where he pulls his nipples off which like man he has something weird about nipples <laughs> that he goes off about nipples and it was like glocked i get it it's a good intimidation tactic but man i don't love it and a lot of nipple talk there <laughs> too much some are saying too <laughs> some much, are saying too much. Uh, also the other thing that's just like so minor but really really stuck out to me he's talking to the woman in charge of the merchant guild mm-hmm. they're having dinner and he's like hey stop playing coy with me I know you basically run the shit you have a way bigger budget than the military does and the mercenaries like basically work for you. So let's cut the bullshit. And she's like, oh, you learned some things about me, huh? Well, I learned some things about you. And Glock takes a sip of his wine. And he's like, damn, the wine is very good. <laughs> and he's like, I guess the first round is a draw. Dude, it's not a draw. <laughs> She guessed you like saffron and you're like, wow, she is so smart and studied up on me. What are you doing, Glock? I get it. She's hot, but like, it's not a draw. <laughs> I think that his standards are really low. For like, The bar by the other people has been set so low, you know, that like her going to his Instagram and seeing what his favorite wine is, is like, oh, wow. You're doing some scheming. <laughs> right. I think that's fair. I think that's that's probably why he gave her so much credit for this. But I just want to, like, Glockta, you've done so much more work than she did. Like, you learned so much more about her. It's not a draw. Yeah, give yourself some more credit, give buddy. Give yourself credit, Glockta. Man. Yeah. So, Luke... Second third of the book coming up this week. Coming up. Maybe we'll get to that hole. Hmm? Maybe <laughs> we'll see who's been digging. Maybe we'll see that hole that Quay's been digging. But uh, in the meantime, we'll be digging up a fresh batch of hot takes. And still being dumb nerds. <laughs>